Hello and welcome to the Eastern Front. On our podcast, we talk about the many challenges to European peace that tend to emerge along a line running from the Baltic to the Black Sea, the Eastern Front, and about why those matter to the United States. My name is Yulia Joja. I'm with the Middle East Institute, Georgetown and George Washington Universities, and I'm joined by... Today we are joined by Admiral Yuhani Kaskela, who is a senior former Finnish admiral, now retired, and chief of defense of the Finnish Defense Forces until 2009. Uh, we're thrilled to have him join today. If you enjoy um, this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. Admiral, thank you so much for joining us. And this is also a quick shout out um, to American Purpose, um, who you joined on a workshop um, recently in Berlin um, to talk about how we can increase support across the transatlantic space um, for Ukraine. We will be talking about that. Um, but first and foremost, we want to take advantage of um, you being here to talk to us about um, Finland, Finland's defense posture and how that has adjusted following the full-scale invasion of um, Ukraine. We all watched with um, fingers crossed um, when um, Finland announced um, the change in the defense posture wanting to join um, wanting to join NATO. Um, and uh, we're thrilled to see um, that this process is, um, uh, is in the making. Um, but can you tell us a little bit more about what has led um, in terms of the internal domestic debates on national security um, to this discussion, how you assess this discussion within um, Finland, and what kind of implications are um, coming from that? Thank you, Julia. It's, um, I'm, I'm really honored to be here to discuss with you. Uh, yes, it was. It's, uh, the last year has been, I would say, a very difficult to a, a news addict like myself that uh, so much happening and and in Finland too when uh, uh, December 21 uh, President Putin was trying to put limits on the uh, the enlargement of NATO to their borders of course there are only three countries in the western border which are not members of the alliance and and those are Ukraine Belarus and Finland and uh, not counting Belarus here as uh, as a candidate for NATO, but, but Finland certainly made the decision when, when these uh, limits were expressed by, by President Putin. So, uh, and it was um, very peculiar that the Finnish nation, according to polls, right away uh, when the invasion started, 24th February, uh, in the next day polls, uh, more than half of the nation wanted to join NATO. To get an extra deterrence, uh, or, or, or I would say, boost to our deterrence capabilities, created mainly by our own defense, and then uh, the rapid uh, process led to political leadership uh, started to discussions. The president went to Washington uh, and to meet uh, President Biden, and, and thereafter it was a very rapid process, where I would say. Finland dragged along also Sweden uh, to join NATO. And, and now we are really on the very doorstep uh, and, and the final uh, ratifications are, are to come in, in two weeks' time. So uh, it really 
it was a, quite a booster, and I, I, I could actually quote here uh, Lord Robertson, who was the Secretary General of NATO, 99, uh, 2003, and uh, and he he made a uh, quite a sort of a he's a very uh, very straightforward Scott, and, and he put it uh, in in uh, in a short statement. And it took me four years as the Secretary General, and I couldn't get Finland and Sweden join NATO. Then comes Mr. Putin, and it, don't, it only takes four weeks. And that really was uh, uh, a a quite a booster to our uh, joining West. Of course, we had been for 30 years more or less there on the doorstep. And and very uh, I would say trusted partner, and and being actively participating in all NATO outer area operations and and of course other partnership uh, programs as well. So uh, Finland actually never uh, we never we never lowered our shield. Uh, we we were not taking any advantage of peace dividends. And, and of course, NATO had to make uh, their choices uh, whether whether there was purpose to to their operations anymore when when Soviet Union collapsed and and Warsaw Pact was uh, was put down. So we we continued because of course during the past centuries, almost every generation has been fighting against Russia or Soviet Union. So. Uh, we we had no illusions that uh, that we could be secure only on our own, and when the security environment so drastically changed, that uh, the decision was there. Okay, we need extra boost to our defence and, and extra uh, security guarantees, and and then the decision was easy. We are still, uh, if if we look at the Finnish capabilities. Uh, and the development of our defence, uh, I would say that uh, the, the war in Ukraine has very much confirmed that we have had, we have made uh, earlier on uh, in our development right decisions. If you look at the capabilities of Ukraine, how they have been able to to harness all the resources of the society in putting up their reserves, with putting up their uh, civilian uh, infrastructure, uh, all all this, the, the all the assets of the society for defense of their nation. This is exactly the same formula which we have been uh, cultivating during the past decades. We also have, uh, if we look at the deterrence and or defense and deterrence, which is now of course the strategy of nature. We have good good uh, tools for that. If uh, just to mention the long range precision weapon systems which we have acquired uh, during the, the 20 years, past 20 years. Uh, take it, for example, the FA-18 Hornets, which we have 62 now, they were updated to carry JASM uh, standoff weapon systems with a range of 400 kilometers. Then we acquired the multiple MLRS systems, the M-270, with the with the long range capabilities, uh, which are actually the same rockets as the HIMARS uh, platform uses, and now we have the capabilities for the uh, army tactical missile systems. So the army will have ranges from 150 to to 300 kilometers as well. So these are the sort of weapons of deterrence 
and and now the navy is going to have four eight ships uh, uh, Israeli Gabriel surface surface missiles with the capability to attack also the ground ground uh, targets. So uh, if if we look at the Finnish capabilities, we are go- really going to take care of our own uh, our, our own country. But in addition to that, the, of course, the, the Article 5 security guarantees are going to extend the, the, the deterrence to a new level. But, um, but really, the, the, the two elements, I would say, two dimensions of the Finnish defense, large uh, mobilizable forces, 280,000, uh, the army is 180,000 of that, and then these uh, weapons of of deterrence, where we can always fret and say uh, the the uh, Russian infrastructure or, or command posts and and supply lines, just like the 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 uh, Ukrainians are doing at the moment. So, for example, the Iskander ballistic missile systems, we decided that we are not going to to cover the whole country with. Uh, uh, missile defense systems, but we are going to threaten their platforms. Now NATO, US are going to provide us with with, um, target acquisition uh, data. We have our own satellite systems as well, which we have rented one to Ukraine. They are very happy about the the uh, the SAR satellite, which they are using to to locate uh, uh, key positions of, of of, of the uh, uh, the aggressor, so um, so I I think we are we are going to strengthen NATO's defense in Northern Europe. Certainly, uh, we are taking the responsibility of of very long border, thirteen hundred kilometers. Uh, so together with Norway, we are going to be Northern Europe really frontline states, which uh, the United States has has very decisively confirmed and 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 supported they uh, confirmed our position as a frontline state so uh, we were the first ones to in Europe to get for example the cruise missiles for FIFA 18 the standoff missile systems after Australia so uh, the trust and confidence shown by the US government has been really uh, the facilitator of our our so deterrence factor of our defense before we delve deeper into uh, some of these military questions that you alluded to, uh, I was wondering if I could ask a question which is political in nature. So there is an election coming in, in early April in Finland, and I, like many others, have been throughout this war in Ukraine deeply impressed by the leadership shown by the Finnish Prime Minister, Sanna Marin. I'm wondering to what extent it is true that there is really a cross-party consensus on security issues in Finland, including on on Finland's attitude towards what's happening in Ukraine, and to what extent uh, there might be uncertainties related to the outcome of the election, or whether that's something that really there is no daylight between major major political parties in the country. Uh, Thank you, Dolibor. It's it's amazing that uh, that, uh, security and defense are not, in a way, uh, raised by any political parties to, to discussion, de- debates. 
we're going to have the election really in in 10 days time and 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 this is not an issue it was more or less accepted approved by by the whole nation when we had the parliamentary uh, discussion and uh, decision making on on jo uh, leaving the uh, submitting our application to join nato uh, out of 200 mps uh, 188 supported eight were against or or, or there were a couple of which uh, weren't absent about that so and 97 percent of Finns uh, uh, are are really uh, in favor of, of supporting Ukraine and, and, and the Ukraine defense. So we are overwhelmingly supporting uh, Ukraine. So I, I have seen, uh, we have now the debates are every, every, every night in television and, and the political parties representing their views. This is not anymore an issue that we're going to join NATO. Uh, and and everybody is is really in favor of of supporting nato as you said prime minister said very clearly that uh, when 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 she was asked i i think it was in in uh, was it in munich or wherever but 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 she said very decisively that when the war is going to end when when the the russians are expelled from the sovereign territory of of ukraine and uh, uh, there's no sort of a opposition to, to these opinions at all. And now the the government has actually in they are at, in the process of delivering the 14th package of of, uh, of military aid to to uh, to Ukraine. So it's been a sort of a monthly procedure. It's now the value is about 800 million euros which we have allocated which is uh, in per capita sense, 135 euros. I just checked uh, uh, in, in in Finland, which uh, clearly exceeds uh, the per capita uh, uh, allocations by UK or, or US. So, but uh, but we are still running uh, behind Estonia, which has really made uh, enormous uh, in, in in their size of, of defense and, and population quite uh, quite considerable. Uh, attributions. Sir, if I could ask um, a couple of forward-looking questions, um, which may be related. First of all, how do you think Finland would like to see the alliance evolve going forward? And in particular, uh, looking at the uh, Arctic um, as a theater that's been increasingly competitive, increasingly important, um, and a, a, a region where Russia has been increasingly active over the last decade or more. What do you think about those two sort of uh, looking ahead topics? Uh, thank you, Jidal. That really is, is one of the crucial questions. When we were still, uh, we haven't made the decision to apply uh, NATO membership uh, or in this sort of a grey time uh, zone, we were still uh, in the process, uh, we very much were consoled by the fact that uh, that the U.S. Uh, bilateral relationship, which we have had with the U.S., the, the United States were really uh, sort of giving us uh, giving us uh, sort of a bilateral uh, uh, security guarantees, as did the U.K. as well. 
both these countries, UK and USA, are, are very much involved in the security of, of the Arctic area. Finland and, and Norway and Sweden are all there. And, uh, and we, we see, or I, I was actually, this was, this is not my, from my own head, but when I have discussions with, uh, with the UK, uh, US politicians or, or military, the vital US interests are there in, in, in this area. I mean, because of the sea lines of communications of North Atlantic, the Arctic as a whole, and then, of course, the, the Article 5 uh, obligations towards, uh, towards uh, Baltic countries and Poland. So we are very much in the center of this uh, interest of, uh, vital interest of the US. And the UK very much the same. So, so we were very much convinced that whatever comes, uh, these bilateral decisions, uh, bilateral security guarantees are, are really uh, important to us. And it it can be in the future as well if uh, if the if the NATO uh, uh, decision making process takes too long, we always can can rely on on US or UK help because it's not because of our uh, blue eyes, but because of of US uh, vital interests of their own. So uh, in that sense, we are looking forward to have intensified uh, Nordic cooperation combined with the US and UK uh, contributions and and this sort of a, I, I hesitate to say that this is a Nordic bastion we don't want to separate ourselves from the rest of the alliance but we can we can see that we have so much in common we have for example we have integrated our air forces already um, from the beginning of 2000s so we we have uh, the same command and control systems we have the same recognized air picture we have the Link 16, and we have day, almost weekly exercises where the squadron commander level, uh, somebody can call from Rovaniemi to Luleå in Sweden and, and to, to, to Trumps in, in, in Norway. Let's have next Wednesday a, a bigger exercise. And that can be seen from Murmansk, of course, that there are tens of, of first-rate fighters Supported by uh, UK tankers and and AVAX from uh, from uh, from Germany uh, from USAF US Air Force, and this is sort of a daily bread. Uh, it's been for 15 years now, so it's it's a part of this deterrence that they can see that actually this is by far the the the, the biggest biggest uh, sort of a. Air, single air force, if you put us together, 200 fighters there, F-18s, F-35s uh, and Gripens. And, and our air force is in the process of changing now from, from F-18 Hornets to, to 64 uh, F-35s, which uh, to a nation uh, of our size is, is quite an investment. That's a lot of money. Part, part of the defense and deterrence, I would say. But, but clearly... This northern periphery is very important uh, because we are overlooking the Arctic. We have the biggest formations of, of, of army as well there. Uh, one uh, standing brigade in, in the north where, by the way, at the moment there are, although I, I think they left last week from Alaska, uh, a, a US division sent across the pole by air 
uh, troops to train with us in uh, to get uh, Arctic training from the Finnish army. Very glad that um, Admiral Kaskela makes these points. Um, I think Nordic security and uh, interoperability is unique in the world and it gets underrated um, here in Washington. Um, and, and so this is kind of a thank you for highlighting not just the levels, the the incredible level, levels of interoperability and military cooperation that existed for such a long time, but also why these things are important to, as you know, Admiral, here we have a very heated debate um, about what is United States national interest and whether the United States should um, remain involved and to what extent in European security. So your comments are um, very heartwarming and uh, and fit um, fit greatly into the debate um, that we're having here in Washington. Because um, your experience is first and foremost um, on the maritime side, I also want to take advantage to ask you about maritime security um, in and around Finland, in the Baltic Sea, and what kind of challenges um, Russia poses not just now, but in the medium and long term in your assessment. We've now learned that overall we've overestimated um, Russian military might, including maritime, as we've seen um, with great examples such as sinking the Moskva in, um, in the Black Sea. But nevertheless, um, it, um, Russia will remain a security threat um, that, as you pointed out, Finland has been uh, painfully aware for a long time. So looking at um, the Baltic Sea particularly and Russia's military presence there, what do you see as the main challenges at the regional level? Thank you, Julia. Before I really tackle your question, I will still continue from the previous saying that uh, that at the moment, as we speak, the Finnish chief of defense, current chief of defense is in Norfolk, joint forces command there. The president of Finland was there two weeks ago. And we can see sort of a maritime dimension here too. Joint forces command Norfolk, or should we be uh, in, in NATO uh, in, in the subcommand of, of joint forces command Brunsu? And, and we certainly appreciate the maritime dimension. I'm, I'm not in a position to say Finnish positions here, uh, being retired officer, but, uh, but uh, from my personal point of view, I, I would very much welcome that we would be in the maritime command, I mean maritime domain, dominated command by, by Norfolk, where, because this really the, the Arctic Ocean and the Baltic Sea are more or less in the same theater uh, or war if if there would be a war uh, so uh, the Baltic of course is a, is a very constrained maritime area where we can see that the a2 ad concepts uh, are applicable and and if you look at uh, uh, the geopolitical situation after Finland and Sweden are, are, are members of the the alliance Russia only has Kaliningrad shoreline as well as Lenin, well, Leningrad Oblast or, or St. Petersburg, uh, really the, the short, short line, uh, which is a, quite a change to what it used to be in the Cold War, from the Finnish border to all the Baltic shorelines, coastlines, until, until Travemünde in, in Germany. 
So they were really DC power there, which uh, of course so occasionally uh, NATO navies contested, but otherwise they were really they they had the it was mare sovieticum uh, those <laughs> days. Whereas uh, today we can see that it's going to be mare NATO, uh, NATO, and and uh, and really uh, what what the Russians could then. They could, of course, try to interdict our sea lines of communication in in the Baltic Sea, but we have always the protection of the coastline and and of course the air defense systems there. Uh, if if we look at the Finland only, the Finnish Navy is going to get uh, four corvettes in the multiple uh, multi-role corvettes with uh, with uh, uh, good air defense for uh, standard missile systems. Uh, the same as as the U.S. Navy, and and then these long-range uh, surface surface missile systems, and we we but we are totally dependent on on sea lines of communication to Sweden along the Swedish coast to Danish Straits. Ninety uh, percent of our all exports and imports go by 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 ships. So it's an island situation where we have to to have a a credible. Defense and that means all year round. We are ice frozen. Uh, we we are we have the only ice uh, strengthened uh, warships in the world, uh, which are really capable of, of tackling these bad conditions, ice conditions, with the icebreaker fleet uh, supporting. So uh, this this really means that we have to have a, a good. Uh, a two uh, AD uh, bubble here to 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 secure our our sea lines of communications and and now we have the geopolitical advantages to do that. We should probably uh, translate A two AD for our general purpose and general interest uh, listeners. It, it it means anti access and area denial. Which is kind of a fancy way of of saying um, you can hold um, shipping and aircraft and other things at risk with air defense systems and other land-based systems. So you can project power into the maritime and aerospace realms, but with much simpler systems, and you can take away. Uh, not only the ability to project military power, but you can hold commercial uh, shipping and other uh, forms of international commerce, such as you know, communicate lines of uh, electronic lines of communications that may follow the seabed uh, at risk. So it's a it's a term of art that's uh, been increasingly popular uh, and and an issue that's been in focus for people who follow military affairs for the last generation or so, but it remains kind of a, and, and therefore there must be an acronym for it so we can make sure that the general public doesn't end, understand what we're talking <laughs> about and we give the illusion of expertise where uh, we turn a simple idea into, uh, so I just I just uh, felt the need to yes. make the translation for uh, for the general. Thank you, Jihal. That really was uh, worth that. <laughs> Well, now we can say A two AD all we want without yeah. uh, without fear. So it wasn't just the general public, but even I. There, that's right. Impress your friends. I who learned this new term today. 
I'll be, I'll be, I'll be slipping in into conversation at every opportunity. <laughs> so I don't know if I may ask you, um, I presume that Finland, alongside other Nordic countries, uh, have lived with the experience of having their airspace tested by Russian warplanes on an almost daily basis for the past decade. Uh, I wonder, though, since you brought up uh, the the situation in in in, in, in the Baltic, uh, to what extent we've seen, and and Finland in particular has seen similarly irresponsible behavior on the part of the uh, of the Russian Baltic fleet and how much of a threat does the Russian Baltic fleet represent the the Baltic, Baltic fleet itself is is um, i mean their operations are are very uh, very quiet at the moment uh, of course uh, we follow their uh, their movements Think of it that they only have one submarine, for example, there, and they have no uh, no uh, sort of a landing capabilities. They have no landing force uh, at all. Their the uh, marine, or how do you say it? the marines, the marines brigade which they have in Kaliningrad has been, I think, twice already desolated by by the Ukrainian uh, defense forces. So, so it's it's really very quiet on on the maritime front. Of course, they they keep on flying. The, the, they have their their vital communications through air uh, to to Kaliningrad, and it's a very very sort of a narrow international airspace. But they they haven't actually violated our space. I think there was one uh, last year one uh, violation of, of our sovereignty. It's um, it's kind of a our our airspace or our territorial waters make a, a bulb uh, more or less opposite to Tallinn uh, and and they try to squeeze there, but it's uh, half a minute, one minute, and but it's it causes problems to our, uh, ourselves because we have to scramble an F-18 there and and to show that we are taking care of this airspace. When I was still at the office in in 2000. It was uh, kind of a they were showing force and and there were very many of these violations. I I think almost 20 uh, 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 took place then. Then our prime minister went to Moscow and said that we are going to make a big fuss of all these. We hadn't actually made them public. We we always went to 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 check them, but but we. We decided that okay, this is now uh, an information warfare from our as our response, and 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 they they suddenly stopped almost totally. I met uh, their chief of general staff then, who was Army General Balyevsky, in NATO corridors. Uh, it was the Euro-Atlantic uh, uh, chief defense meeting, and I I complained very much that this is not how neighbors behave to each other, and and uh, he took it seriously. He said that we're going to have a, a new navigation system uh, to guide the, the fighters. They were mainly fighters with, uh, <laughs> with no transponders on and, and it created, of course. Well, they, they were not liked uh, and, and, uh, and he, I didn't find the right word. Disturbing, of course, disturbing was the word. And, and uh, it was amazing that, that uh, the, he said that, okay, 
I didn't know about that then. I had all the pictures and I had uh, charts made of these violations. And then he summoned up his <laughs> chief of defense of, of the air, uh, chief of uh, chief of his air forces, who said that no, no Russian air forces have Russian air force have not violated Finnish airspace. But then he went on and said that it's the it's the Baltic Fleet Air Force. So, so okay, Russian, Russian anyway, and and it uh, it took a disciplinary uh, effect in there. But but of course, it depends on the sort of a political situations always when when they want to show off something. But it's been very quiet in the Eastern Front here, and of course, all their assets are in, yeah, in down in the south. So it's from that sense, it's understandable. The garrisons of the the uh, army, uh, the standing army brigades there, are, are very uh, very empty at the moment, and and of course they have lost so many equipment. And this is why people in Finland understand that the more we support Ukrainian armed forces, the the more they decimate our potential adversary here in the north looking at the inventories, how they are now phased out. And, and so Ukrainians are very much fighting for ourselves as well. I wish you could explain that to uh, our presidential candidates. <laughs> I wonder, before we um, let you go, uh, Admiral, if you can tell us your personal understanding based on this affirmation that we all agree um, with here, um, your personal understanding of where the war in Ukraine is going. Um, you know, in Western leaders from President Biden to Chancellor Scholz to President Macron are now replicating the same kind of wording, saying we will support Ukraine for as long as it takes. But it's not clear to me whether this it is in sync with what Ukraine defines as it, um, recovering all of its sovereign territory. And so from a military and strategic perspective, looking at the aid, the military aid that we are sending to Ukraine, looking at their announced counteroffensive that we're all sort of expecting in the spring and summer, how do you see Ukraine's chances of recovering some territory in the coming months? Well, first of all, I would say that the, as long as it takes, that's uh, that's true partially. But but I I would hesitate to support that line only, because the faster the Ukrainians are able to really to conquer their lands back, uh, the better. Because time is on Russian side here. If if there's a sort of a wariness of supporting Ukraine in, in the West and, and people sort of get used to this, okay, can't we uh, can't we stop this and and uh, these haphazardly created peace plans and and talks are, are not very supportive to Ukraine. So the the faster the better, and and that's why we should be able to to leave this sort of an incremental support approach to 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 Ukraine in the West. Uh, these red lines uh, have been very deferring very very uh, disturbing here I, I should say that we should we should really stop thinking of of that uh, that should, uh, would these and these weapon systems now 
be responded by Russia by nuclear threats or whatever. We should give our best help at the moment. There were very bold dis- uh, bold suggestions in in Finland too that okay uh, we have 220 Leopard 2s. Let's give half of them to to Ukraine. But that isn't very helpful because we are really the front line and and these Leopard 2s have been more or less designated to our uh, armored brigades and and mechanized brigades so we can't afford being four years without main battle tanks if it takes that long for 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 uh, German industry to to produce new placements so uh, and and now the prime minister actually suggested that okay since we are going to give up f-18 hornets and the f-35s are coming to replace them so uh, what are we going to do with the with the should we scrap the old ones the f hornets or what should we do with them but of course it's a, it's a process when when uh, when they are overtaking the f35s the f18 hornet they are not going to be uh, available in the next two years or so 25 is is the first uh, uh, f35 coming to to finland so and it will take until 2030 but but this sort of a I think it was meant to be uh, encouragement to other governments as well who have really, which are not the frontline countries, who could actually afford giving them because their replacement is not in that acute need as as they would be in Finland. So hopefully, this year uh, will be uh, will be uh, the decisive year to to give enough of assets to. To Ukraine, so that they could they could really. Uh, I don't think whether they can extend it to to Crimea this year, but but anyway, to get Donbas uh, liberated. We probably shouldn't end without expressing our admiration for your prime minister, uh, not simply as a personality, but as a uh, a symbol of younger, uh, yet yet almost one wants to say better prospects for leadership in Europe. And uh, it certainly gives us Americans um, a a hopeful view of um, how the transatlantic partnership uh, will prosper uh, in the future. And and welcoming Finland into the alliance has been a real affirmation of the effort that Americans have made for, for many years to try to preserve stability and peace across the continent. Thank you. Thank you, Giselle. We have a, a coalition government at the moment where five of the parties are led by uh, ladies in their thirties. So uh, very... <laughs> you, have a, you have a lot of talent on the bench. We all, we all wish um, more of European countries were like Finland in, in so many ways. Admiral Juhani Kaskela, thank you so much for joining us today um, to talk about Finland security challenges and Finland's um, help when it comes to European and Nordic security. 
from my friends, Daribor Rohaj, Giselle Donnelly, and me. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Front. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. To stay up to date with the Eastern Front, please give us a follow on Twitter at Eastern Front Pod in one word, and sign up for our newsletter through the link included in the show notes. You can find more episodes and additional content on our website, ai.org, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and until next time, goodbye.